for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Like they say on Monday Night Football, are you ready for this? All I can tell you is this. It's a pretty special day for me, and I hope you enjoy this show as much as I'm going to celebrate doing it. On today's show, some surprises and something special as we share some of our Elk Bro secrets, some of our rituals, beliefs, superstitions, and some of the crazy crap we've done. That along with some very special Elk Bro shout outs. So my friends, like Gilbert, our brother from another mother always says, pull up your chair, turn your volume up just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by AllBros.com, with your host and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillick. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If this is your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue-collar hunters following our show that have been grinding it out with us every week, every month now for getting close to a year, welcome back to a very special elk camp. I'm Joe Gillia, and Gilbert's not here today because this is going to be a surprise episode for Gilbert too, bud. I'm coming to you from my niece's home in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And joining me today, my brother Chav. <laughs> What's mm. up, bud? Oh, it's uh, good to be back. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> you know, Chav, I think everybody's been waiting for this day. I know I have. Uh, I'm super excited, mm. man. It's it's uh, gosh, it's it's been a while now. Yeah, it's been what. Four months, <laughs> three him. months, four months. Yeah, so something um, like that. The last time that we did a podcast together, we were up in the mountains hunting elk. Oh, that's right. Wow. Yeah. So we were right there September. in September. Uh, yeah, September. <clears throat> so we've already been through October, November, December, and now into January. January, so, right? Yeah, it's been a while. And you know, uh, for our listeners out there, uh, you guys that have been watching our show and listening to our show, uh, you know that. Chow's been going through a battle, and uh, I tell you what, uh, to see this face uh, right now is 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 pretty special. He's actually he's feeling back out the hunting weight. You look- yeah, yeah, I've, ga- I've gained uh, something like thirty pounds in the the last uh, month, month and a half, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I was down pretty thin. <laughs> yeah, dude, you look like you're in a concentration camp. What yeah, <laughs> right. So it's been it's been a tough road, right? Oh yeah, it's been it's been pretty tough. It's a daily grind. Mm-hmm. You know, I still have my uh, sights set on what I'd like to do, but uh, right now, uh, getting stronger every day. Uh, I can stand. I can't walk yet. That's the that's the next goal. Right. And then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. And I mean uh, the the progress. I mean from where we were just a month ago been pretty incredible huh yeah it's been it's been pretty amazing yeah so you know uh i think if i could how about if we do it this way if you could get any message to some people out there because i know there's people that struggle all the time um 
they struggle getting ready for their hunting season. They struggle with a lot of things, you know, um, any advice for them? Well, you know, it puts things in perspective. Um, uh, you never, you never think you'd be in a situation where you, you're unable to do just normal things. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, you got to stop and smell the roses, you know, enjoy life to the fullest. Um, luckily for me, I have a really good support system, you know, with my family and uh, even some people in the, in our uh, Elk Bros uh, broadcasts have been re- responding to this. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about them in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because uh, in fact, um, guys, you usually <clears throat> do our, our shout outs. Um, it's time for the Elk Bros shout outs, but today it's going to be a little bit different. Um, and the way it's going to be different is, is that we actually have a chance. Um, you wanted to do some shout outs to some people. So yes. uh, uh, give me a second here, man. I'm going to grab that sheet. Yeah, it's uh, something special when uh, people that you don't know reach out, uh, you know, with prayers and, uh, and gifts. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of it because it's, uh, it's been a long haul. And just uh, something to boost your, uh, just to boost you is, is amazing. And I've been real, really, really appreciative of all that. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to thank, first of all, the Elk Bros. Uh, you know, they check in almost daily, so uh, it's always good to hear from them. Uh, they tend to hunt almost every weekend, <laughs> so I get a lot of photographs. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, thanks again. Big, big shout out and thanks. And that's uh, Luis Gonzalez, uh, Manano Graterón, and there are uh, Venezuela Mafia. <laughs> and they've added another guy named uh, uh, Rafa uh, Paz. Paz. And uh, I haven't met him yet, but he seems to be from the same mold, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And of course, uh, Gilbert Ornales who usually does the podcast with us, you know, thank you so much for everything you guys have done, you know, with the gifts, the uh, daily prayers and everything else. Um, I also like to uh, have a shout out to Larry Gill. We've known Larry for a while and <laughs> probably have a lot of stories about him, <laughs> but he's been real supportive too on almost a daily basis. Uh, Larry's from uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma. From Shawnee, yeah. And then another guy who uh, I just got, was very lucky to meet this summer, one of Joe's clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, it's like Gilbert started out as a client, but now incredible friend. Right, exactly. And that's uh, Don Primley from uh, Sartell, Minnesota. You know, he uh, let us stay in his cabin last summer, and it was re- very, very enjoyable and they're an amazing family. And then uh, we have a list of uh, total strangers who, uh, you know, send gifts and prayers and uh, send out some shout outs to us or to me. And it's amazing when people that you don't even know mm-hmm. uh, take time out of their day to uh, do something like that. You know, it's funny because of this, we've actually, <clears throat> you know, uh, especially when you were in the hospital a lot of times when, uh, man, you were just so medicated and Mm -hmm. these guys were reaching out. Uh, I would make some phone calls and, and have developed some friendships with some of these guys. And, you know, I get phone calls and text messages all the time from, you kind of feel like, you know, them, and (laughs) and in a way you do. Yeah. But we've never met them. Right. Maybe sometime down the line plan on it. We'll have that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So uh, a big shout out to the following people. Well, Brian uh, Zakovec from Pueblo, Colorado. Thanks for everything. <laughs> you know, he sent, he sent me a pre or a beat the cancer beat kit. the cancer kit. Yeah, and, and then uh, this hat that I'm wearing. Yeah, it was so cool. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you guys can't tell, but uh, Chav here's got the 
got the golden dome going on, man. <laughs> actually, it's a good look, man. I'm I'm actually thinking of going that look. I mean, if I if I can look as much younger as he does with like that, I might just have to do that. But uh, yeah, so Brian, otherwise known as the Colorado camper man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he just lives down the road from us. So we might we make a trip down there and uh, definitely have dinner or something. Yeah, and for and also. Uh, I'd like to thank the following people for, again, prayers and uh, uh, reaching out. And, you know, really, really appreciate it. And that uh, shout-out to Richard Strait from Lincoln, Nebraska. Shane Rasmussen from Garden City, Utah. Stephen Richardson from Springdale, Arizona. Donald Johnson from Edgewood, Washington. Kevin Gillingham from... Sex Smith, Alberta. Okay, oh, wait, Kevin, dude. I just had, you know, generally when you hear about Goldsmith, when you hear about, you know, <laughs> Blacksmith and stuff like it's people that work in those areas. And, and we're just wondering up in Alberta what's going on with the Sex Smith thing. But <clears throat> oh, we, won't, we won't go too far into that. <laughs> I might have to make it an Unleashed or something. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Gilbert might have to research that. Yeah, Gilbert. And uh, continuing now, uh, Mark uh, Layton from Pueblo, Colorado. Zach that's, Fisher. That's Max Layton. Max Layton. Yeah. What did I say? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Uh, Zach Fisher from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Dylan Fer, Fer, Fiera. Fiera mm-hmm. from Rhode Island. Fiera. And Matt Bauer. We're not really sure where you're from, Matt, but appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, it's – um and. And to talk about the shout outs too, uh, I have some as well. And um, I don't, I hope uh, you guys that are listening out there never actually have to deal in, with this <clears throat> type of struggle, with this type of battle. But if you do, um, you know, there are people, those nurses, the techs at the hospitals, you know, when you're at your, lowest low and sometimes when you feel like you're losing all your dignity those people there their professionalism right uh-huh. is what gives you back your dignity and man they we've had some incredible incredible people yeah we really have at the hospital pretty amazing people yeah. all the way to i mean we had the people that were transport you know we had uh alex uh who was one of chaps transporters um that even after Chab got moved out of the hospital and came back, Alex came in to check on him just to see how he was. He just, that type of person, they were just so cool and the connections that they made like that. And, and he's had his own struggles. And, and Alex, I, if, if you listen to this podcast, our prayers, our blessings, and you are in our thoughts all the time. And definitely we're not able to thank you enough for, uh, what you've done for Chav and uh, we know that you and your wife have got many blessings coming to you, man. So thank you very much. But I definitely <clears throat> wanted to shout out to all those people <clears throat> at UNMH, UNM hospital there that were just fantastic. And the people over at uh, UNM Loveless rehab that were working with you were all right. They were excellent people. Yeah. Got you on this road. Yeah. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't know what we were doing right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's awesome, man. Um, again, uh, we hope all y'all that get those shout outs understand that those are heartfelt, that the things that you've done, uh, what you've done for Chav, when you sent those to him, you don't know this, but it wasn't just him that you were helping to fill up inside with uh, a lot of stuff you were helping the whole family. So uh, really huge. So Chav, let's move on to that. And you and I have been hunting together now 38 seasons. 38 seasons, right. We There's never been an elk hunt that we haven't hunted together. 
for, for 38 years. And uh, so today what we want to do is, well, we've done the thank yous and we got you on that road to recovery. So we're going to, instead of talking about meds, instead of talking about PT, <laughs> we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about something else now. And we're going to enjoy some of our moments mm-hmm. together. And so what we want to do, guys, is we want to share some of those things that have been a part of mine and Chad's journey in these 38 years. Some of them that we laugh about, some of them are some crazy crap that we've done along the way. And I tell you what, not only have we done it, but we've seen it, right? Right. We've seen some crazy stuff. Right. Experienced a lot of stuff in those yeah, 38 years. Sure have. And some things that we probably take for granted that might be of some use to you guys out there. And maybe even, I think we might even share a couple of our secrets. So um, guys, we're coaches. And it's all about to happen. So let's start out, Chav. Let's, let's, let's start out with some of our beliefs or maybe even some of our superstitions. You, mm-hmm. you got any of those? Well, I think one of them is our lucky shirts. It seems like every time, uh, we, uh, every time in the past when there was a kill and we took photographs, yeah. that same shirt kept showing up. It kept popping up, huh? Yeah, and it's a nondescript uh, camo with a little bit of uh, Texas orange for Gilbert. <laughs> and it's it's uh, uh, probably cotton, right? Yeah, oh, it's an old cotton Walmart yeah, shirt, we bought, right? it, bought it at Walmart. Yeah. They're probably just uh, under $10 a piece. And I don't know how many we bought because there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's Yeah, you know, we got about four or five of those. and uh, Probably one of the best patterns that, you know, we love that pattern. It seems like every time we're wearing that shirt, those those – and inexpensive those and guys buy you know go out there now it's after christmas during january yeah uh you're going to find those sales on and that's what we would do and we pick them up for five seven dollars a piece right yeah there aren't very much and uh like i said there's a little bit of uh that uh orange tint in there mm-hmm. and uh i know they may have been long sleeve shirts because i think we cut all the sleeves off of them <laughs> but you know try different try different things you don't have to match out there it's not a you know you're not going to be on television (laughs) you know with everything matching perfectly so you know when you mix and match sometimes you create a better uh, camouflage actually you know when you're out there it it really breaks you up you know and this is a big thing everybody always talks about you know well do i have to have wear the same camo from head to toe heck no man look at the woods Look at the woods. There's rocks, there's trees, there's dirt, there's ground, there's bushes. It breaks up. So if you wear something different on your britches, as what you do your top, as what your hat, all you're doing is breaking up the same way too. Mm-hmm. So, But when you talk about the lucky shirt, you know, y'all, we're, we're coaches. And to say that we're not superstitious, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, I don't know if I went as far as wearing the same underwear yeah. For, yeah. for all those years. But, uh, you know, for, for myself – it's, I actually have what I call, uh, uh, my killer combo. You know, I mean, we have different packs. I, I really, really enjoy my, um, I've got a, a Badlands pack that I like. And even though it's a little bit heavier, the, the thing I like about the pack is I like the way, um, it has those side bellow pockets. Mm-hmm. You, you and I have the same one. Right. So I can actually reach down. I can grab calls out. I can grab binos out. I can do anything really, really easy to do that. Even though it's a little bit heavier, it's been kind of a go-to pack for us. But when things are not happening, I go to my killer combo and that's uh it's a, it's an old Kelly design fleece pack with a, with a Kelly, uh, um, just the fanny pack. Fanny pack it's a yeah. fleece fanny pack. And they're really soft, they're light, they're quiet, they don't have all the pockets, but it seems like every time I switch to that, that's, you know, yeah. that's mm-hmm. my killer combo, right? Yeah, I can visualize the the uh, the shirt with, a, with your uh, killer combo. Yeah, 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 when we did that, and right? A, it seems lightweight on you and mm-hmm. you're able to travel. Yeah. Uh, through really thick stuff and not make any noise. And I think the other thing that I'm real uh, superstitious about or um, one of my things is that I, I feel like uh, I have to have my gear on a certain way. And maybe that's because it helps me with something else we're going to talk uh, about here in a minute. But 
I, I, you know, I got to have my grunt tube on a certain way. Uh, if I'm wearing my killer combo, I've got to have, I've got those, uh, the small binos right. that I end up putting right here. I mean, they'll hook right around my shoulder strap underneath of it. If I slip it underneath there, I know that I'm going to have my calls in my right pocket that I'm going to have my, uh, my head net and my left and then my two gloves and my right. So it's like, I know where everything's at. It's that confidence that if I'm in a situation, I can just reach for anything, and and I get real superstitious mm-hmm. about that. And that helps when you're uh, moving from place to place. <laughs> That's what you know. You know, take a a second to double check, make sure you have everything. And and that's on. In fact, you know that's one of our rituals y'all that we're going to talk about down there at the bottom is we, we have what we call a pre-check pat down, you know, before you uh, start to move and you'll see us, man, you get up and before you go, the first thing that we do is we pat this, pat that, pat that, check for the grunt tube. Uh, how many grunt tubes do you think I've lost over the years? Oh, quite a bit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've lost, uh, you lost a lot. And a lot of times we've walked uh, a ways and then you go grunt tube. Yeah. And we had to backtrack and find it. And it's amazing you found them. Yeah. The ones and, you did find. And I tell you, that that's why I, I the guys that are using the bats now, you know, oh, yeah. I, it's uh-huh. like, uh, I think you guys are going to help people out with that because you're going to be buying a lot of grunt tubes because they don't hook around you really good. And so you're going to set it down and it's invariable. Uh, and I bet a bunch of guys out there that have those are going, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I lost yeah. that. <laughs> and every, everything's camouflaged nowadays. Everything. Your, you know, your uh, binos, your range finders, the grunt tubes. So it's real easy to lose them. Well, and on the hunt the year before last, you, you know, you had never carried a range finder before. Oh, so right. it was one of those things. And I mean, we were in a burn area. Everything was black. Your range finder was black. Uh, yeah. Gone. It fit right in there, yeah. And everything looks the same. So. Yeah, yeah. So talking about maybe some some beliefs and some of the things that that uh, that we think that's our opinion that uh, that we kind of hold. Um, uh, do you have any of those about elk hunting? Any certain beliefs? Well, um, you know, there's always like a sixth sense. You know, when you get close, when you get close to an elk and you're approaching them. Uh, you get real nervous and, uh, you know, you try, try to do different things to calm you down. And a lot of it is, you know, don't look at the elk directly and, uh, you know, in the eyes, in the eyes. Yeah. Another one is don't look at the horns. Cause if you're counting horns, your shot opportunity may have passed. Right. You know, so that's, you know, that's one of them. Yeah. I told, you know, we always talk about the eyes, the ears and the nose, but I totally believe y'all in a sixth sense that I I've always, it's something that my dad taught me from a, a young age is never look the animals in the eye that they can feel that. So I never do that. You know, I, I always want to make sure that, uh, that doesn't happen. You know, something that I'm always aware of out there, Chad, that I don't know a lot of people are is, is that chirping squirrels, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how many people pay attention, but I, I totally believe, and I've had it happen, both deer hunting and elk hunting, that have you ever noticed when you're going through the woods and man, those those squirrels start, you know, chirping at you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that, that's because you're in their area. Well, if you can actually hear them as you're moving through the woods, they'll actually chirp as you're moving through mm-hmm. different squirrels and stuff. Guys, they do the same thing with the elk and the deer. So if you're someplace and sometimes they do it at each other, it's not always that it's another big animal in there, but I tell you, whenever I hear squirrels chirping off in a distance, I sit there and I listen to it for a little bit. And if I kind of hear that, moving in a sense instead of just you know a couple squirrels chirping each other and a lot of times i'll go and check it out especially if it's in an area it never pays to check I yeah mean, it never hurts to check yeah it's whenever you enter their area and they spot you mm-hmm. it's almost like a relay system they just keep following you yeah. chirping yeah so if yeah. You're, you're in an area and you haven't been spotted by a a squirrel and you hear, hear chirping in a yeah, in a very close uh, proximity, that could be uh, an elk or a deer or a bear. You know, it could be anything. Yeah, totally. Another thing that um, one of our things, and uh, it might be some other people's, and, and it's not that Manano really likes it, but we're really big on no campfires or cooking bacon. Um, so we're kind of sent 
free freaks. Um, and I tell you what, I don't know if you've ever smelled somebody after they come out of a kitchen when there's been baking cooking, but I can smell them from a mile away. Mm-hmm. And so we've always gone, we've gone dry camp, right? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're uh, scent-free yep. freaks, basically. <laughs> and we've experimented during those 38 years. Yeah. I remember one time we read an article on uh, vegetarians. Yeah, so. yeah, it said if you're a vegetarian, you give off a certain scent. So it's not a, a scent that uh, frightens animals. So we tried that for a while. <laughs> and uh, We actually became, look, there's nothing I love more than meat and potatoes, y'all. And I think you read the article, right, that it happened. So what happened was in in Vietnam, right? It was in Vietnam, there was an actual experiment. Well, they did this. So what they did was they had their troops on the ground, um, making sure that they were eating meat because uh, supposedly the enemy we were fighting against were all vegetarians. So they were able to have sniffers that they were able to drop sniffers down in areas. And these sniffers could tell if there were meat eaters or if there were vegetarians <laughs> in the area. Yeah. And if there were vegetarians in the area, they bombed the area. And animals, I don't know if you've noticed, but animals, when they have other animals coming around them that are vegetarians, they don't react to it because they just don't, that, you know, it seemed from what we gathered from the article, right. animals could tell the difference in the scent, right? right. Uh-huh. So we became vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember how it worked out. But. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I remember we got close. We got close. But it seemed like then the following year, we went right back to meat, got as close. So we were like, nah, we're sticking to the meat, right? Yeah, <laughs> so right. That was one of those crazy things that yeah. we did along the way. Yeah, another time uh, we read an article about uh, skunk scent and uh, we bought some skunk scent, put it on. And, uh, you know, after a while, no matter what you have on you, you yourself can't smell it. Right. You know, so, uh, yeah, we hunted with skunk scent. And when you think about it, uh, skunk scent's an alert signal. So in a way, maybe we were <laughs> alerting the, the our prey as we got closer to him. Well, and, and that wasn't even the worst of it. Um, but going to your local McDonald's when you don't remember that you're wearing skunk scent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you go in there. Yeah, we got a lot of stairs and <laughs> got to the front of the line pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, really fast, man. People like just start. It was like the Red Sea parted, right? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if you're hungry, carry some extra skunk scent with you when you're going to a restaurant. It might help. <laughs> yeah. Or a, a basketball game or something. <laughs> yeah. find a seat yeah yeah so uh some of our other beliefs and things that that our opinions that we know as well and or some of the our rituals and things that we believe in is that um how many times people hear an elk bugle right and they assume that that's a hunter mm-hmm. exactly yeah there's been many times that we've heard terrible bugles turn out to be a, a real elk. Yeah. So, you know, follow, follow the bugle, you know, make sure that uh, you've, you know yourself for, for certain that it's not an elk because a lot of times uh, elk sound bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, they sound horrible. Worst elk call I've ever heard. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of you guys, I mean, I'm getting a lot of emails and, and guys are really, you know, starting to talk to us about learning how to call elk and the first thing I want to tell you is number one, keep it simple. You know, listen to all these things that these guys are saying, but start out very basic, just basic cow call, just a basic location bugle. And uh, don't worry about sounding perfect because there is no such thing as a perfect bugle. I think uh, you want to hear a perfect bugle, go listen to guys like Corey Jacobson. And, and I mean, they're they're incredible, man. These guys are awesome. Um, But there are no perfect bugles out there. And they're all different. And they're, they're all a little different. All different. I, I'd say when you're using an elk, when you're doing a specific call and how you do it, and, and we'll talk more about that later, is probably more important than that. But um, I can tell you this, Chav and I have always, generally on the beginning of the hunt, before I started losing my hearing, um, we would always split up. And we did 
what we called, uh, we would hunt scout. So he would head one way and I would head another way and we would hunt those areas and get a chance to scout, come back, have a report at the evening time. And I can tell you how many times I've come back to camp and Chad was like, oh, I heard you. You were only about a quarter mile away from me. And I'm like, what do you mean you heard me? He's like, I heard you bugling over there. And I'm like, bugling where? And he'd tell me, I was like, dude, I'm like two miles south of there. I wasn't <laughs> even close. So you assumed that was me and it wasn't that. Right. Right? right. That happened quite frequently. So, <laughs> yeah. So now we, uh, we follow the sound. Always check it out. Yeah, I, and I can tell you one of my earliest bulls that I killed was a, was a bull that I actually, um, I chased for, a while and the whole time I was on it, I mean, it, honest, it sounded like, uh, and I was like, oh man, that's got to be a hunter. But as I'm following the sound, I'm looking down at the ground and I'm seeing fresh <clears throat> droppings, I'm seeing fresh track, and I'm like, oh, I gotta check it. Uh, and I get up there and I put a little cow call out, and here it comes, end up with a 12 yard shot. Unbelievable that that was that bull. So uh, always check it out, all right? Um, I think, uh, one of the things that, that you've kind of noticed, one of your beliefs has something to do with a drizzling rain. Yeah. Whenever it's, you get a, a light drizzle out there, it seems like it, it grounds a scent, you know, it may or may not, mm -hmm. but, uh, I would say that 90% of the time after a drizzle or a light rain, uh, you tend to run into more elk and they don't seem as, uh, alert either for some reason. So, you know, I like those days, and of course the walking's a lot better because, uh, you know, the ground is wet. So, uh, you know, I look for those days, a lot of people, when it starts to drizzle, they, they head, for camp. head back to camp, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And even on, on some downpours, if you're out there in the field and you have your rain gear on, uh, once it stops, it, it seems like everything's really still. There's not a whole lot of scent movement, it seems like. There's, al there's almost a scent explosion, though. I mean, yeah. especially if it's a hard rain right. or even a hail, man. It's like all of a sudden all of this, everything is like all these odors are in mm -hmm. the air, right? Yeah, yeah th there's no dominant uh, odor out there. Yeah. And, and it seems like the, the animals are at ease, too. It might be that they think, you know, I don't know <laughs> what they're <laughs> thinking, but uh, they seem more relaxed, too, after a rainfall. Oh, I will tell you though, some of you guys, um, when he's talking about this and it, it got me thinking about some things that you do and you don't, um, some of our beliefs is that, uh, this happened to us early on in a career where people would actually buy us camouflage coveralls, not the, not even the thick ones, the thin ones, you know, uh -huh. and, uh, uh, we found out real quick in our career, never to wear coveralls when you're hunting elk. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the time you had yours on and you finally had a bull in front of you? And you go into draw, what happens, man? The oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get with the uh, coveralls and with your backpack on. I couldn't draw at all. Yeah. No, I didn't have the. Uh, because what happens is, is as you get down, especially if you're going down low, it shortens you down here in the bottom. Even though you can move your arms here, when you go to lift them up, the area in the underarm gets tight and it won't let you raise your arms up. And yeah. so you're like stuck in that position. If so. Yeah. If you're kneeling, it, it does it even more. Yeah, right. It pulls everything tighter. So you're not, you're unable to use your lower body for anything. Yeah. Uh, another one of our beliefs, Chab, is uh, we always have people that when we always hear people saying that when you spook elk, that man, they, they, they run out of the country that they're, you know, they're a mile away now. Right. Uh, and I still read a lot of articles in the, you know, in, in the hunting magazines where, uh, they, where the author always says, well, if you spook them, they're gone. Right. You know, they're, they're 10 ridges over. Mm -hmm. And we've never found that. And, uh, you know, we hunt in a heavily uh, hunted area. And whenever we do spook them, uh, they're still around. And, you know, we've uh, gone to places where there's very little hunting. It's, you know, public, uh, it's private land that the landowners have let us go in there just to, uh, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've run into, you know, bunches of bull elk and uh, just elk in general. And uh, they'll go out of sight, but they st they're still there. 
You know, yeah. we we've just actually, go over one ridge. We've actually seen them where where they would go up on top where they were out of view, right? And uh, and then we came around the other side. They're still standing up there, basically looking back to see where we were at. You know, mm-hmm. because look, elk want to go where they want to go. So a lot of times, if they're moving, if they have a destination, and you spook them, yeah, you've spooked them. But most of the time, they're going to regather and they're going to go around you from one side to the other. You know, that's what I've seem to happen out there and yeah it seems to me like they know when they can outrun you mm-hmm. and they'll just outrun you uh far enough to uh get away from you uh you know line of vision because mm-hmm. uh, they're always trying to conserve energy too you know they're not gonna you know they're not gonna go on a 10 mile john i don't i don't think so maybe in some cases they have but uh well, i think if you're constantly pushing them yeah yeah you're going to move them and you know uh, during the rut, they got to deal with other bulls that are pushing them as well. So they're going to continually move from one area to the other. But, you know, if, if you're hunting in an area that is, is a, a low use area and they are uh, spooked by human scent, I guarantee you they're just going to be right over the top into the next drainage and they're going to settle right back mm-hmm. down. Uh, and they're going to be checking their back trail. They're going to be, they're going to put themselves in position to check scent. And if everything's good, they're going to go the route that they want to. Yeah. Okay. And we've been on elk before, uh, you know, really close to uh, dirt roads. And four wheelers come driving by and all they do is lift their head and go we're back to We're watching them. We're yeah. watching them do this. Yeah, we're watching them do that. And, you know, uh, I remember seeing a, being close to a pretty large herd. And, uh, you know, not all, not even all the elk put their heads up. Right. The rest just kept feeding, you know, so... Well, and that that's a, another point to bring up about them then is that, uh, you know, a lot of you guys that are out there hunting whitetail, you, you really worry about going slow and uh, about being quiet. And, and that's not the case. Our, you know, we know for a fact that you can be noisy. In fact, we use our noise sometimes to actually get animals to come into us because we sound like other elk. Now, sudden movements, you know, uh, when they've got you, you know, if they've got one, got you spotted or something, a sudden movement or things like that, or moving and they can't hear you bothers them more than anything. So that's something for you to, to remember. That's some of our thinking, some of our beliefs as far as that. Now, there might be people out there totally disagree with you, but again, these are the elk bros, me and Chad, this is our beliefs and this is what we've done over the years. And this is what we'd have actually seen, you know. Actually, right. You know, it's it's not a big uh, research study. It's just what we have seen. Right, exactly. And like I said, it's low area. I mean, uh, heavily hunted area and areas that are seldom hunted. You know, we've seen the same the same uh, uh, movement from the elk. And I'll tell you something else that we've seen is that it seems like when you are when you have a tag in your pocket and you're trying to hunt an elk and you see an elk and all of a sudden, like Chad said earlier, and you get all uptight and that heart starts beating and everything like that, um, it, it seems like, oh, it, I'm not going to get the shot or it's real difficult or it's real hard or that animal's not going to come. All of these things play through your head. But it's what's so weird is it seems like after you kill an elk that all of a sudden – they're like walking all over you, man. It's like elk are coming by mm-hmm. you. It's like it's real easy. It's like uh, it's like once you've killed one, it's like before, it's like you couldn't find one or get one close to you. And it seems like after you kill one, yeah. you're amongst them all the time. And I really think that has to do with us. I really think it has to do, again, with that sixth sense. And I think it has with our own ability not to enjoy the moment at the time. And we put so much stress on ourselves and our nerves get so intense that we want to force things. We're, we're like, oh, I better get the shot before they go, you know, mm-hmm. get away or uh, instead of just letting it happen with some right. patience. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I know uh, tears ago when you, when you kill that big uh, uh, freak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, after after the kill, and you know, we were talking normal normal <laughs> voice, laughing. We yeah. still had uh, five or six bulls that weren't aware of what was going on. Totally, and they were coming into the area and kept coming in. Yeah, and one in particular was a small raghorn, kept going up the hill, down the hill, to our spot. Knew, knew something was up, but didn't know what. It would go back up the hill, would come down the hill. So uh, yeah. The, if you take one animal out of a group 
you know, the other ones don't know what happened. Or, right. I mean, you know, some may, but mm-hmm. most don't. So they're still in that area, you know. They're yeah. still in that area. Well, I, I think we sometimes as hunters, we put so much intelligence in that animal. And I think we actually sometimes give them make them out to be more than they are that, you know, we're like, Oh, they're going to spot us. They're going to hear us. They're going to do this or that. And yeah, they may. I mean, that's what, that's how, that's what they do every day. They just try to live. But it seems like when we stop, when we no longer have to kill an animal, when we're out to, to fill a tag and we just relax and enjoy the moment, it's like they walk right by us. It's like they come to mm-hmm. you, you get, you have all these close encounters. So I, I think that's something for you to think about when you get in a situation, when you're hunting, relax and enjoy the moment, really take it in, look at that animal, look at what's happening in your surroundings, feel what's going on, enjoy that, have some patience and things will get a little bit better for you, you know, when you see that. Um, and, and, you know, when you do get that shot, I totally believe, man, instead of looking and, and like Chad said, looking at the horns or just looking at the whole animal, make sure, you know, you hear this all the time about picking a spot. We believe totally in that, that, you know, look for a tuft of skin, look for the muscle in an area and just pick that spot. And totally believe that if you practice that enough, your training will kick in. Relax, enjoy the moment, and focus. Now, after <laughs> you're going to get the Verilaques after, like our Venezuelan yeah. mafia does. Uh, after you take the shot, you'll probably fall apart like crazy. But in that moment, be locked in because you're in the red zone. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we have, as far as rituals go, we have a few Elk Bros rituals. You know, we, we talked about the pat down, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of one of our rituals. Right. And I, I'd say probably a big one is our pre-draw. Yeah. Yeah, what it means by that is, you know, draw your bow back. Of course, don't dry fire it, but, you know, draw it back. And uh, it seems like the very first time you draw your bow, there's a there's going to be a sound of some kind. A little creak, a yeah, little a pop little or something. Mm-hmm. So if you do that right away, uh, you get rid of that. The second time you draw back, it's it's not there. Yeah, and, and it's not necessarily, guys, it's not because there's a problem with the bow, but, you know, sometimes wax or something gets in that causes uh, just your string mm-hmm. uh, close to the pulley and creates just a little little stick, so it just makes a little bit of a noise. Yeah, and, or you may be walking through brush and and get something stuck in there, and right. they'll, they'll take it out. So. Yeah. Oh, we all, it's like a pre-flight check. And so as soon as we get off and we're heading into the woods, we always break over. Sometimes I do it when I see some animals getting close and I think it's, and it's a real quiet day. There is no wind and everything. And sometimes if I think we're getting ready to get real tight, I do a little pre-flight pull. So uh, that's one of the things we do. And the other one that seems like, I don't know if it's because of our personalities and, and, so now we justify its success, but it seems like we always put in the last second for the draw, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the very last day. And yeah. That's probably coming up pretty soon, isn't uh, it? March, I believe oh, it's, it's March, March 18th for us mm-hmm. now. So, uh, you know, we have guys that are always in, and in, in I get the excitement and everything like that, and they're like, have you put in? Have you put in? Yeah. Uh, you get no better position for putting in early than you do late. The only thing about the benefit of putting in earlier, if, if there's a problem or something like that, you can figure it out. But generally, we've always had this habit, and it's been kind of our ritual that um, we like to put in very, very late, sometimes last hour, but, yeah. <laughs> but very, very late uh, in the draw. And uh, – uh, well, I think we've drawn every year except for one in the last 38 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, we do not. Uh, all right. I'm put this out. <clears throat> we do not know, buddy, know anybody at game and fish. We have no relatives <laughs> there. Everybody's like, how do you guys do that? Well, Actually, we try to find areas to put in that are not great success areas, are not areas that uh, everybody wants to go to. Um, and we just go and work hard at it. So um, that's one of our, our rituals there. Uh, so now we're going to talk about some crazy crap we've done or some of our crazy quirks. And, and Chav already told you about our, our vegetarian thing. But, you know, when we say that we're scent freaks, yeah, we've really suffered a lot because of that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. 
<laughs> yeah, we've taken uh, baths in uh, freezing rivers, <laughs> you know, where you, you kind of put your toe in. It's like, eh. So jump in. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. And a shock. It's kind of like the polar bear plunge. Yeah, exactly. Like but the uh, after a couple of days of hunting, we figure that's probably the best thing for us as far as scent. So. And, and guys, look, you, and it's totally true. If you work the wind and you keep the wind in your favor, animal, there's no way an animal can smell you. But the reason we're such big freaks about our scent is, again, we totally believe in every advantage we can get. And, uh, and I explained it one time. Uh, it's kind of like if you're a person and, and you hear a shot that goes off, a gunshot that goes off a mile away, you're kind of like, oh, that's a shot. Okay, right? No big deal. But if you hear a shot go off 50 yards away from you, man, you're hitting the ground. It's like, whoa, like that. Well, I happen to feel that my belief, and again, this is just me, I happen to believe that when it comes to elk and the scents, because they smell humans all the time, and when they catch those scents, that's either going to be a light scent or it's going to be a strong scent. And I think it's a lot like that shot going off. When they smell that scent that seems like it's a long distance, it might bring them to a little bit of an alert, but they're not going to bail out of that area right there. Uh, but let me tell you what, you get a seven-day reek on you, <laughs> And you get closer there and you get a slightest breeze on there. Boom. Those animals are out there. So I kind of feel like the more scent for you can stay, mm -hmm. the, the better you are at making it seem like that that is a distant smell that they smell and not something that is really filling the air. Cause you yeah. know, yeah, you cut the radius of the, your scent, yeah. your scent line. It, it, uh, I just feel like, you know, it's so important. So yeah, <laughs> We've done freezing rivers. So one time we, we actually decided, well, we don't want to do the freezing river. So we looked for a lake that was just a little bit warmer. And uh, two guys, we're stripped down and we're heading into the lake. And, and Chav goes, we're up to our knees already. And he goes, wow, what the heck is that? Is, is that fish moving around? I'm like, there's something going through the water uh, all around our legs and stuff like that. And uh, and, and he goes, I, I could swear I saw something moving down there. And yeah. It's so. Yeah, we have a lot of leeches. We're <laughs> hunting us down. <laughs> we looked down all, both at the same time. You could see the realization, man. Leeches, and we're just hauling out of yeah. that place, man. So we've had that, and I and I'm not able to tell you how many times we've done sponge baths in freezing cold weather. Oh yeah, out there just heating water up, and now y'all, um, and you know we do a little shower tent. Um, in fact, my Christmas present this year, uh, the other elk bros were happy to see this addition. We actually have a little two-room shower tent that's going to be set up. So at elk camp, we're having a little bit of a shower condo going on <laughs> there. So that, that uh, life, we have adapted a little bit. Huh? Yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so tough right now. Um, another quirk, uh, and a lot of people won't talk about this. So... Uh, if it bothers you to talk and hear about uh, uh, body defecation, you might want to <laughs> turn it off now because, um, you know, we have quirks. When it comes to taking a dump or urinating out in the woods, we definitely have some quirks about that yeah. or, or uh -huh. some things that we do, right? Right. Uh -huh. So we're, we're going to help you out a, a little bit with that. Well, first of all, guys, let me just tell you, man, and, I, and it comes from I've seen this out in the woods and it just drives me nuts is always, always, always bury your crap. Okay. Either bury it or cover it uh, so that other people don't see it or anything like that. I, I mean, uh, it gives us a bad name out there. Uh, but some of the things that we look to do and is that, you know, like, for example, if we're in amongst elk and you get that where you just have to, you yeah, have to take you a piss, gotta right? Go, yeah. Gotta go. Um, in our country, it's volcanic. And where you're at might not be the same, but there's so many rocks that it's easy to find a rock that's half buried or not half buried, good size. And we actually pull it turn it out and urinate into the hole and then put the rock right back on it so that we don't have wind going across urine on all of the stuff like that and uh, get down on the knees to do that because again, uh, you don't want the splatter. Yes, you heard it here. You heard it first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, dude, 
how important is it when you got to take a dump to find that special yeah. spot, right? <laughs> yeah. When you, when you start feeling the, the urge, you know, we, we walked around looking for uh, down trees that form a perfect triangle or a, at least a split where yeah. you can sit down. Good little Y. Yeah. Or you find those you find those rocks with that perfect crack in the uh, middle that right. you know you can sit on. So, you know, <laughs> uh, for you young bucks that just want to put your back up against a tree, been there, done that. But uh, now we're looking for a little bit more comfort. And the other thing I'm going to tell you is this: we've also found after all the years, it seems like whenever you go to take a dump. An animal walks up on yeah, you. Yeah, an animal will appear, yeah. Do not put your bow far away. Do not do it. Because I've had a buddy that's actually killed a bear with his pants around his ankles. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's, uh, that's some of the literal crazy crap that we've done along the way. And, and, and we talked about the skunk scent. And it used to be that cover-up was real popular, cover-up scent. Mm-hmm. You know, you got ground scent, you got dough and heat and all that stuff. But we're, we're huge where we've got now where we just want to smell like nothing. So um, some of our elk hunting secrets is that, you know, uh, I was talking about this with Chab and he was like, man, I, I don't know how many people <clears throat> do something like that. But I've been in situations where I've got a bull coming in. And a lot of times when you're calling elk and you've got a bull coming in, uh, you might end up calling in other animals before that bull gets there. And just the case this year, I had uh, four or five bachelor group four or five of satellites coming into me and they were going to get there before the bull did in fact the bull had some cows with them well they're coming and believe it or not these animals came within feet of me all around and were getting ready to pass by going to hit my scent line and i knew that was going to happen so i waited and as soon as i saw the first one put the nose up and them start to turn I screamed a bugle like a bull that was just pissed and chasing and getting ready to chase these guys. And they go running out because they actually smell me. They sent me, but the bull and the cows that were coming in looked up and saw them running away, heard that scream going and it actually got him hotter to come in because he thought now because of the story I was telling that there was a bull up there with cows that was chasing away some uh, satellites. So even though they could have blown the situation up for me by me yelling and sounding like a bull, protecting my harem, that other bull kept coming in and got a shot mm-hmm. opportunity. So that's something for you to, that's a little secret there. Um, I think the, the second one that I would give you is don't try to call a lot of times guys, when you try to call to a bull, if you're going to call to them, you guys are like, I don't know how aggressive to be. And for you guys who don't understand the aggressiveness, it's like your volume, your tone, uh, the anger, uh, or just the opposite, the timidness that you can show in your call. And some guys aren't sure where to go with that. And I've always told people, when you do that, the best thing is, is stay to their level. If they give you an aggressive call, give them the same aggressive call. If they're giving you a timid call, give them the same timid call if you don't know how to do that. But one thing that I tell guys that I do is, I don't really try sometimes to call in that bull. What I try to do is be the other guy. I try to be the other bull that has a harem, that has cows, that has a lost cow, and act like I could care less what they're doing and creating my own little scenario. And what happens is is I have bulls coming into me and cows coming up to us bringing bulls because they're coming up to join that situation instead of feeling intimidated that another bull's trying to challenge them. So uh, I, I think one of the secrets is, is that I generally try first to be a lover and not a fighter. Uh, and what I'm doing is I'm trying to sound like a bull that is has those cow and heat sounds, has a bull that's working a cow and heat, uh, has other bulls that are interested in that and bringing other people and other elk to my party. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So that, that, and man, this year, uh, it worked like a charm. I mean, we brought, we brought bulls in from over a half mile away doing that. I mean, bulls that actually jumped fences and came up hills. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you seldom see that. I mean, 
one of the one of the bulls walked uh, mm-hmm. pretty far. You know, yeah. had to be close to 800, 800 yards, and he had to jump a fence. He had to climb up a hill, and a pretty tough hill at yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely works. And they don't like to do that, man. Yeah. But because it wasn't another bull <clears throat> challenging him, calling at him, and he thought he was actually traveling to another group. Mm-hmm they have better tendency to do that. So there's a little secret as far as that. Now, I'll also tell you this. Guys, so when do you like to hunt? Mornings or afternoons? Well, mornings are always great. Uh, the thing about the morning is you can get out there in the dark and uh, locate them. You know, they seem more at ease definitely in the dark. Right. So uh, they're, they tend to respond to a cow call or, or a bugle. Right. And it seems like uh, in the nighttime uh, you can hear – uh, a lot a lot further so and, yeah, you can locate them pretty easy yeah you definitely can because well, not easy but you can locate them so people ask me which you prefer morning and, and we've killed a lot of elk in the evening mm-hmm. uh, gilbert killed his in the evening uh, manano killed his in the evening right uh louise killed his in the morning so actually out of those guys we were two in the evening one in the morning right um I killed my bull in the morning. So mm-hmm. I guess we're two for two there, right? Two and two. But uh, when people ask that, I'll tell you, um, one of our hunting secrets is, is that mornings is the time as far as I'm concerned. Like Chav said, locate them in the dark. So basically, I can be on an elk before most guys are even getting off their bike or out of their truck or something like that out of their bed in some cases (laughs) out of their bed in some cases the the other thing is that like chav says is that morning air that cool air um your calls are going to carry farther and their return calls are going to carry farther and a lot of times they're in more open areas because it is dark they're down in those bottoms and in those opens and their their audio really bounces off of things and uh, I will tell you, too, um, that if I don't have a shot with them in that morning, if I get one to sound off, then I can shadow that that group of elk. So now I have, because they're going to a destination. Mm-hmm. They're either going to bed or they're heading and they're feeding while they're going up. But, you know, they're going to a destination. So I can shadow them. And I'll tell you, one of my secrets is I never shadow them from behind going up a mountain. I always get up on the side of them to parallel them and I try to get out to where I can look through the trees and I can see color I can see those critters through the trees kind of moving not close enough that uh, I'm I'm where I can't move and I spook them I'm trying to stay parallel them at their level following up the hill that way when the thermals change then it doesn't end up getting my scent right up to them the other thing that's great about that is is when I'm going up and sometimes, and a lot of times this has happened, they actually start to turn and kind of come my direction. Mm-hmm. I'm at their level, and we end up with a great opportunity. Or if I hear that bull and I'm able to cow call, just like the rest of his herd, now I have that animal because I'm at his level, and he thinks with all his cows, it's one of his cows off to the side. Here he comes. Boom. We're in a great situation. Okay. And I will tell you this, I don't know why Chad, but have you ever noticed that when you're on the side of them like that, it doesn't, your movement doesn't seem to alarm them the same amount as when you're behind them mm-hmm. or up in front of them. Right. Yeah. It could be a, a visual thing. Because you know, if you're in front or behind, you, you get a better picture of what's there and you, you know, you don't see that on the side. And, and the thing that I always thought too, maybe they think it's just another part of the herd, yeah. you know, that's moving. So when you're on the side of them, right. And, uh, and the other thing is when you are paralleling, when they're moving, it's harder for an elk to catch movement when they're moving. In fact, that's the best time for you to draw is when they're moving. Okay. Um, I, I told you before, I think some of my secrets is first, I always try to, when I am given calls, I try to be a lover before I'm a fighter because it, it just makes sense. What is it that an animal is, is going to run away from? What are they going to run to? And it just makes sense to give them something sweet instead of something sour. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I find that once they start coming in and they get in proximity, if I hear something sounding like a challenge or something, again, I will then go and match what's happening there. Uh, a big secret of mine that, uh, 
originally started as a way for me to send a signal to Chav was my double bugle. <clears throat> and I've demonstrated this on another podcast. I'm sorry, I don't have other stuff with me right now to do that. But basically, I go to a high scream, and as I come down, I go right back up to another high scream. And I used to do this so that because when Chav and I was separated, I would do it so he would know where I was and he could come into me. And uh, I could do that very loud and it would carry a long way. So the first time I discovered what this did was I had shot a bull. The bull is down, bull is dead. And Chab and I got splitting off on that big herd in the trees, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, so I'm trying to get him to come to me so he knows I have an animal down so we can start packing it out. And so I start screaming double bugle. After double bugle, after double bugle, after double bugle, you know, really, because I'm thinking if he's walking and making a noise, he's not hearing it, he'll catch one of these. So, I mean, it was about as irritating as you could get, just screaming, screaming, screaming. Before you got into me, I think when you got there, I told you I had called in four other bulls. Mm -hmm. Four other bulls doing a double scream bugle and doing it obnoxiously. Mm -hmm. So... There's two things that I feel out of this because now I use it all the time that when I'm not getting a response from elk, when I just give a location, if I give a double scream, a lot of times I will get a response if there's a bull in the area. And the reason I believe that is because when they hear one bull bugle and then they hear the other one, it's that they think that there are two animals that are contesting each other or being aggressive or answering each other. So it's not like now they are the the item of aggression, right? So th it actually sounds like there's a little bit of another party going on and not somebody being aggressive towards them. So, man, I tell you what, they came in to see what was going yeah. on each time. So that's something for you to think about. Uh, the other secret that I always use is that I always call behind me once I'm engaged. Uh, once I've got an animal located, I'm going to go ahead and call behind that animal I'm sorry, behind me when that happens so that I always sound or the elk that I'm trying to portray always sounds further back instead of screaming at the animal. Because if I'm projecting audio towards that animal, that animal, it, then they think that there's an elk closer to yeah. them than what it is. They and, can pinpoint you a lot, lot quicker. Than and that. hang up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that I do. And um, one thing that we've always learned is what and get in position because you never know <laughs> yeah, yeah get in position to draw you know check your lanes uh make sure you don't have any obstructions and because uh, uh when it's pretty close uh it can happen pretty quick it's like uh i hear it coming and then you're like looking around and there it is <laughs> right and you're not ready and, I, and i've told people if you even think if you even think that an animal's coming to you, if you even have a, a, any kind of sixth sense inkling in your mind, knock an arrow, look for, make sure that where you're at, you shouldn't be standing where you're not be able to draw. Get in a shooting position. No matter what, whether I have an animal coming across or if I have an animal coming, I don't care if, if I don't worry about that animal seeing me per se. No matter what, I'm going to get into position somehow, some way, so that I can have an opportunity. If I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to have a shot. So if, if I sit back, I might not spook the animal, but I'm not getting a shot. If I go to get in position, it's going to be simple math. Either I'm getting a shot or I spook them out. So one's the same <clears throat> result as the other, right? right? Yep. yep. Be ready no matter what. Be ready no matter what. So that's pretty much uh, uh, some stuff from us. Uh, anything else you can think of? Any crazy, weird things mm. that we've had happen on there? I'm sure there are, but you know, like, that'll be a later podcast. Because <laughs> 38 years, you pretty much experience everything, you know? Right. And I think that's, uh, uh, you know, for you uh, – Beginners that are out there, uh, we're condensing your learning curve, you know. Uh, you know, we had to go up and down and to the point where we feel pretty confident in what we do. But if we can level it for you, you know, it'll make you real successful quicker. Definitely. And uh, 
what we would like to ask you is because there are a ton of things that we take for granted. I mean, Chab had to tell me one time, you know, uh, when I had a diaphragm call, you know, he's like, well, <clears throat> most guys, Joe, don't even know how to put that in their mouth. And I take that for granted sometimes, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot of those little things. So what we would like to say, guys, just remind you, you guys that are listening, if you have any question, uh, send it in to us. You can send questions to us at info at elkbros.com. It doesn't matter how small. It doesn't matter how big. All you got to do is talk to some of the guys that we've answered or we've given phone calls. Um, you know, we're here to help. We're here to be your coaches. And uh, uh, ask away. And if you don't want it answered on the show, say, I, I just uh, don't answer on the show. I just like answer me. But most guys, for some reason, really want that to happen. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool. Guys, um, if you like what we're doing, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. You have to review us on Apple, Apple Podcasts. And uh, I don't know, Chab, I don't know if we're doing a good job. We haven't been getting any reviews later, <laughs> lately. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, we got one from... Uh, that was from Montana one, 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 one. Hey bud, if we ever go up to Montana, yeah, let's make that happen because I love y'all season up there. Never have hunted out of New Mexico, but, uh, I don't know who you are. Uh, so you send a note into us from INFO cause there was no name. There was no email. Send it, man. We might look you up if we ever head that way. All right. So please give us a review. Please rate us guys out there because that's how we, we know if we're doing something that you guys enjoy. Right. And, um, hey, Chab, I, I know this wasn't easy for you. It's not easy for you to mm -hmm. stay sitting up right now for mm -hmm. a while. Uh, and we're probably about to your limit right yeah, now. Yeah, I think so. So, <laughs> <laughs> so guys, um, we're going to thank you. Um, we look forward to the next time. Bud, thank you so much uh, for yeah, being thank here. Thank you so much for everything. Yeah, it, it, it's awesome to have you here today. Uh, so until the next time, like Chab said, please go out and smell the roses. Life is short. Make sure you live it. Peace, peace. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.